There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. All right. Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody is doing well out there. My name is Josh. Welcome to the Dark Delight Show. Here with Jim Price. Jim Price, how are you doing? Good, guys. Good, good, good. Good to see you. We made it uh, through another day. Uh, No more China bumping into boats last night, right? I didn't check the news today on that. Well, did you see that uh, Hamas had released uh, some prisoners, two elderly ladies, and they came out and they're like, they were such gentlemen. They treated us so nicely and and they were just so kind. And then later today, uh, apparently they released uh, some men and the men were like, oh, my God, that was horrific. It was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And they treated (laughs) us so badly and tortured us. And it's like... You know, which end of the propaganda spectrum do we want to talk about here? <laughs> well, we do both, right? So we we have to make sure that we're completely off balance at all times. That's the only thing I could figure out is if we keep everybody off balance, we don't know which way to be upset, right? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to be mad or glad. <laughs> well, so for anybody who doesn't know right now, Hamas is targeting rockets all throughout Tel Aviv. Um, the U.S. is readying mass evacuations from the Mideast, and Iran apparently is planning to ramp up attacks, even though Iran, uh, there's no direct connection to Iran whatsoever in any of this. But uh, those are the news headlines that you're going to see, because we are dealing with the Mockingbird Media, Mockingbird yeah. Media. And this is uh, Operation Mockingbird uh, back in the <laughs> 1950s, 60s, and 70s. To Mm -hmm. where the Central Intelligence Agency decided that, hey, we need to control the flow of information. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into colleges and universities. We're going to fund journalists, college education, and then have them work for us after we put them through the farm over at the CIA and teach them to be clandestine special agents and spies for the CIA. And then they put them strategically in various different MSNBC, CBS, uh, ABC News, Fox News, CNN, and all throughout. If you want an example of one, his name is Anderson Cooper. Hmm. Anderson Cooper was uh, his his education was helped helped by finance by the CIA. He attended the farm um, and went through training as a CIA agent. Um, And I mean, he's a Vanderbilt as well. I mean, that's a a massive fortune right there. Oops. Family blood, right? Family connections over That's again. That's right. Family mm. blood. Uh, but listen, people, you know what? I don't need to tell you that things are bad. You know things are bad. Uh-huh. Well, what, what, the, what is the, the, the – this is coming out that America has asked the Israel Israeli uh, armed forces to politely wait for them to join the fight. Don't go into Hamas yet. Please wait for us. We need to stage more guys in the area. Why are we – what? Why are aren't is that? Isn't that us going to war? I mean, what are we doing here? Why are we asking them to wait to go into to you know? I, I don't know. We really have a messaging problem here. Can we get on one page and go with it? Because we're not looking like we're doing the right thing here. It sounds like we're uh, pushing somebody. Come on, man, hit him. Come on, hit him. You know, I, I talked about this last night a little bit in the sense of uh, of Islam. 
And I had a lot of people be like, Josh, you just don't get it. Islam is bad. They're murderers. And I said, well, tell me this is how many murderers did you have in Islam? How many terrorist organizations did you have in Islam before 1948? And the answer is none. There, there wasn't this type of terrorism, this type of radicalism within Islam. And the majority of this is have, has been funded. And I said, you know, I said to those people, they're like, you know, I served in the Iraq war and, and it's just atrocious what those people will do. And they absolutely hate Americans. I said, yeah, absolutely they hate Americans. What would you do if some foreign country invaded your country completely bombarded your civilians and destroyed your way of life. Would you rise up and take a gun and fight against them? I mean, if that happened here in the United States, if the Chinese came here to the United States, invaded our country, right? Right. Because our leader, you know, maybe did something or didn't. And a million civilians died. That's what happened in the first Gulf War, by the way. A million civilians died in the first Gulf War. If that happened to your country, would you hate the country that invaded you? Absolutely. Would you rise up with militias and in arms against them? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, there is a reason why these people hate us. Because the war machine has perpetuated absolute atrocities on their countries for a very, very long time. And that was one of the primary drivers of the radicalism. And then that was financed and funded by the Central Intelligence Agency, the Mossad, because they utilized that as a mechanism of control. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. you know, listen, I, I understand the sentiment out there. Like, these people will behead you. Damn right they will. And mm-hmm. you know what? If someone invaded my country... And I had nothing to lose anymore, and I was that man who who um, who just wanted to be left alone, and that you killed off my former self of that former life I became. I am going to be ruthless mm-hmm. to kill my enemy. That, that's yeah. just the way it is. And and it's unfortunate that us as Americans, as good patriotic people who love our country, who love freedom. That we have to live through this because of the bureaucracy, because of politicians, because of the war machine, because of money, because of globalism. But that's just the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. But understand that these, most of these people are just good people. Okay? You know, it was, uh, it was an interesting discussion the other day that I had it with a few people. But, you know, Islam has more in common with Christianity than it does with Judaism. Yep. <laughs> a lot. And, and oh, yeah, Jesus is Jesus is actually mentioned in Islam in the in the Quran. So I mean there's there is there is a lot of similarities in there. We don't really realize it. But we've been told to hate each other though, right? Haven't we been all been told that your my religion's better than your religion? That that's what we're told, right? My religion is the one and true only religion and and uh so we isolate each other and then we can't create create a common ground, so we're always fighting. That's right. And, and, you know, the word religion comes from the Latin root religare, which means to mend back together, to put back together. Hmm. And uh, isn't it interesting that our, all our religions are separated into denominations and are all um, warring against each other and they all hate each other? Kind of interesting perspective there. Right. Now, going back to uh, Howard Beale, if anybody does, remembers this, if you're, if you're a little bit older, you'll probably remember the 1978 movie Network. Oh. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's an oppression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do. And there's no end to it. 
We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. And we sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 36 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy. So we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and we slowly, the world we are living in gets smaller. And all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios. And I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I, I don't want you to write your congressman because I, I wouldn't know what to tell you or to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that you first got to get mad. You got to say, I'm a human being, goddammit. My life has value. So I don't want you to get up now. I, I want all of you to get up and go to your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it up, stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell. And I'm not going to take this anymore. And you know, that's what we need here in America. We need people to get as mad as hell of what's going on. They are absolutely pissing away our country, our rights, our liberties, our freedoms, our wealth. And they are doing it in the name of a foreign entity, a globalism. They're doing it to kill off the United States of America. And how and Howard Beale was absolutely right there in that movie network. That was so well written. Yeah. Because you want to know what is it's 100% accurate of the world today and what the world's been like since 1978. You know what the punchline of that whole thing is, though, Josh? At the end of the movie, they killed him. Yeah. <laughs> That's really the punchline because he was the guy who was out there telling him how bad everything was. And what did they do? But they killed him. So, guys, when you think about this and then we don't start coming together and creating a unified voice of what we know is wrong. They, they sit there and they pick us off individually. Each person becomes a victim. And we don't have to do that. If we come together, they can't. That, that's where the strength really becomes, right? Coming together and talking and talking about these things, these uncomfortable conversations like you just had, you know, that Muslims aren't bad people. You know, these different religions aren't bad p- things, but yet we've been told that we have to hate each other and do all these things, but yet no answers really are, be given, are given to us. And what did he say? Just leave us alone. We don't. We wouldn't be in war or going to Israel if they just left us alone. We would not be doing these things. There's nothing going on here. Yes, we need to stand up our country. Yes, we need to do better for our country. But we wouldn't be over in foreign wars if they didn't tell us that we needed to go fight somebody we don't know. And they've done it for world wars and everything else, including our own revolutionary war, and including our own in, um, the uh, the civil war. These were all fights that we didn't have to fight. They could have been avoided, but they wanted the fight because it creates discord and destruction. And then the longer that we stay weak, the longer they stay in power. Mm. Well, and that's really it. I mean, the Civil War wasn't about slavery for people who understand this. And if you've lived down in the South, if you're from the South, you already know this. You already know that the Civil War was about the North imposing a will onto the South that the South wanted nothing to do about radical spending from the newly formed Republicans by Abraham Lincoln, by taking banks out from the bank of, or taking, sorry, taking loans out from the bank of England, Mm -hmm. doing exactly what Andrew Jackson said, do not do. 
And guess what you had in the South? You had Jacksonian Democrats. Yeah, they were slave-owning. They were. But they didn't want to take loans out from a central bank over the seas that they had just fought a revolution for 100 years earlier. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Yo. Jim Rice. Yes, sir. What are you thinking here? Uh, well, we're still doing the I want to play speaker race, which that's just, I mean, it's at least they're not passing bills and stuff right now. I guess that would be my only benefit that the government can just go home for a while. And we won't even notice that they're gone. I don't know. That's just stupid. Just shows how weak we really are. This, guys, if you want to know why it is that the Democrats seem to be able to push us around us because they can unify behind a potato. They don't. They will literally in lockstep sing the praises of of Joe and not even hesitate. They just resoundingly, "Yep, Joe's our man." That you don't hear infighting, you don't see all this discord, you don't see all these things. And I get it, guys. We need to make sure that we understand what leadership is and what a leader really looks like in our our day and age. There's too many times that we we put people into uh, a position of authority that because it's their turn, we put people in a position of authority at a restaurant during the pandemic you know the the hostess who's just in high school trying to be the medical advisor for human beings walking in and out to say hey put a rag on your face i mean too many times we see that but i i get that we need to make sure we have leadership and the right kind of leadership but the internal fighting that we do to maintain or to find that is unexcusable it's ridiculous guys we do not need to fight about the stupid little things in fact we know who real leaders are, but this comes down to selfishness. When we see a lot of these people wanting to make sure they get their guy in and these different things, a lot of it you see it is only because they have an agenda, not because they believe that individual is a great leader or what the, whatever they are, and they'll undermine a good leader to try to put their their guy, their 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 uh, dream maker that's going to get them their little special set-asides for their district, that's who they'll put in, and this is why we have a failure. Too many times, social groups, churches, schools—I mean, everything. Oh, it's it's Bill's turn. He it, he gets to be president this year. It's like why? Because he was secretary four years ago and he moved up to. I'm like, no, don't do that. It put in leadership where leadership belongs, and that's why we have this internal fight with us. Too many times we don't know what leadership is, and we're not willing to celebrate those that can be out there. Now, a lot of people like the idea that you know. Uh, Trump was a guy who could make a decision and go in a direction, but a lot of people didn't like it because they don't like it when Daddy tells them what to do. So what? Do, this is what we're up against. It's a ridiculous cycle of ugh. anyway. We that we look like idiots, but here we go. Uh, I mean, and all the stuff that Matt Getz did. I mean, I get what he was doing. Uh, McCarthy was a uh, just a Nancy Pelosi light. And uh, that's about it. So I, I appreciate what Getz did, but at the same time, it shows our weaknesses that we can't come together and move to a specific point, and then we get politics involved. Uh, I agree. I agree. And Tom Emmer is my congressman, which is interesting, and he's absolutely a rhino. Um and so it makes me nervous thinking that he could be the next Speaker of the House because he is definitely someone who's worked with Democrats in the past and uh, doesn't believe the 2020 election was stolen, even though he called up Donald Trump the other day and is like, Mr. President, I'm your biggest fan and all this stuff, to hoping to get his uh, nomination. 
Uh, mm. I highly doubt that that is going to happen, but it's a good possibility. Uh, if they can get Tom Emmer under control, we could see, uh, you know, hopefully something good come out of it. I don't know, though. Um, you know, between Tom Emmer, who is the minority whip, and um, Kevin McCarthy, I, I don't know who's the worst option and who's the best <laughs> option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's what we're up against, right? I mean, that's a sad deal. Hey, do you think they're going to try to do the lockdowns this fall? Do you think we're going to still do that whole thing? Do I need to put, can I get my COVID decorations back out? I still have some, I think, around here. Oops, I lose you. No, no, I'm here. I'm here. I was thinking. Say that again. Are we going to do the lockdown things? Like the whole uh, two weeks to slow the spread? You think we're going to try to pull that off this year? Uh, well, yeah. I said uh, if we do have uh, World War Three breakout, which I think we're going to, um, okay. and then we move into global economic collapse six months after when everybody is out of work, poor, hungry, um, and losing their houses, that's when the next pandemic will hit. Hmm. And how do I know that? Well, that if we just watch Hollywood, right? Th- this right. is how all those movies go. <laughs> the war breaks out, the economy collapses, people lose everything, and then everybody gets sick. Huh. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, I, I, the, uh, I think yesterday we talked about a little bit of that, but I just wanted to make sure that we are all aware that it's not be surprised by what's going on. Uh, did you uh, – now, you know who um, – Owen Schroyer is, right? I do, yeah. Oh. Um, and he's going to go in. Didn't he get – he got charged and then w- and ultimately convicted of um, – what did he get convicted of in the January 6th thing? Was he put out memes or something, or what did he do? Yeah, he put out some mean, some mean words. Really? He was at the location, and they said that he was inciting the insurrection with his words. Huh. Well, that's – but let's see. Okay, so – I'm only as crazy as you say I am. Mm, mm. And, and, you get that, and that's a statement I've come up with about a year or so ago. I'm only as crazy as you say I am. Because the problem is, is that whoever the person who has the microphone or the guy with the gun that defend, you know, that backs them up, um, that this is a perfect example of that, right? I, if this was a, if uh, what about that one lady who had the beheaded uh, Trump head there? Um, oh, I can't remember her name. The actress, the comedian, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, Kathy. Oh, Kath- Griffin. Kathy Griffin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what, what what kind of incitement is that? I mean, that's but that's not an incitement because it's I'm only as crazy as you say I am. And this is another example of that where we have a miscarriage of justice. Now, how long does he have to stay in? How long is he going to be in for for writing memes? That is a First Amendment thing, isn't it? Though. Yeah. I thought I thought memes or editorials or our speech was actually protected by free speech. I mean, yes, we understand the idea of don't yell fire in a in a crowded theater, but the problem with that is is that causes people to hesitate, which means we don't live in our power, right? That's right. So instead of us saying what we should say, we hesitate to think, "Oh, will this incite riots?" I mean, what that's that's unbelievable that this is where we're at in our country. This is what they did in Germany, wasn't it? Wasn't this something that they were doing in Germany prior to, quote-unquote, the war really breaking out as they were silencing uh, different points of view? Right. And then here we are. Oh, how silly we are that we do not know our history. Well, history repeats itself. 
And mm-hmm. that's what uh, um, Strauss and Howe discussed in their book, Generations and the Fourth Turning, is that every 90 years, there's a, a great reset within society, within culture, within politics, and within economics. And right. that that cycle um, must, must be presented. And so we are in that cycle right now. But, you know, here's the thing is these warmongers, these opportunists, these globalists, they are the ones perpetuating all of this and controlling the chaos because they want to control it to the point where they benefit, but they also want to do as much damage and destruction as possible. And with this 90-year cycle, the beautiful thing is, is that we could go through this transitionary cycle without any manipulation or anything like that, and I guarantee you it would be more beneficial to humanity. At the end of the day, when we look at this, if we removed – um, you know, all the lying, the cheating, the corruption, all the the horrible politicians in this world and the warmongers, this world would be at peace. Yeah. You might have crime here and there. You might have mafia and organized crime and stuff like that. But the majority of this stuff would not be happening. Countries would be most likely at peace. And uh, I think the idea that humanity is uh, inherently evil is an absolute farce. Right. Well, let me ask you a question here, though, Josh. When did the good guys? When have the good guys actually ruled the world? One of the one of the actual peacekeepers actually ruled the world. When has that happened? Have we had that happen? One of the peacekeepers actually ruled. I don't know. I don't think that's ever happened, Jim. Yeah. So this is just a perpetual state of a prison planet or pain that we have to kind of cycle through over and over again. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, folks. I think we can do it better, and I think we could rule the world if we actually just quit fighting with each other. But I think that that's one of the best way, the ways they divided us is that we get, uh, you know, spun up over all the wrong things. It's absolutely ridiculous. What? Uh, okay, so what do you got going? You got anything coming up this weekend? You're going to be traveling, or are you going to be here with us this, week- this weekend? I will be in town this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, in my town. Right. And uh, doing some family stuff. I got the the kids, so uh, the kids at home, and uh, it's Halloween weekend. Oh, it so is. We're gonna be doing Halloween decorations, carving pumpkins, me and the kids. So that's yeah. going to be pretty enjoyable. Um, and then let me see. I have to go down to Iowa the next weekend. Uh, go help a friend move. I got a concert oh. I'm going to Thursday, which is going to be really fun. Yeah. I forgot it was Halloween this weekend. But you so, know, okay, wait. You're okay. I don't. Have, my kids. My youngest is 28, right? So I don't have a dog in the fight here. So, do you sell it? Do you go out the to do the uh, begging for candy? Do you do that Friday night, Saturday night, next Tuesday night? How does that work? What's the What's the protocol? Of that'll out be next week? Tuesday. So you you don't do anything over the weekend. Correct. No, we're not going to do anything out of the weekend. I mean, there's some various different parties and stuff like that we could take the kids to. We might. Um, I got to find out what's going on on Sunday. I know the fire department does stuff. And so I I might take the kids. Right. But we'll see. Um, But no, I mean, you know, I think that this is a good conversation here. Think about this, people. Is with everything going on in the world, all the chaos, all the mm-hmm. tumultuous events that are going to occur and potentially occur and the threat and fear of nuclear war and World War Three and uh, economic depression and collapse. Don't stop living your life. Mm-hmm. Don't stop being you. Don't stop progressing and bettering you. Don't stop. 
becoming who you've always wanted to become. Right. Don't let the plight of the world interfere with your own personal development. Right. It, it's the most important thing that you can understand because you know what is if this is your only focus on what's happening in the world, that's some, if you, if you continuously focus on things that you can't change, it'll affect you to no ends. Yep. So keep that in mind. We'll be right back with more dark delight show. Dark delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we were just talking about uh, Halloween, which, again, I, you know, I've never really understood the whole thing of it. And then there's all the different, uh, you know, traditions and where it came from and all that. But here's one thing I always never understood as a child and still as an adult. And my kid, my youngest is 28. So obviously I've cycled through a few Halloweens Um, who whoever this whole thing of getting drugs in your candy and razor blades and all this other stuff. I have never heard of this ever happening. Have never witnessed it and have an hour. It's like, Oh, get your kids, you know, x-rayed. Well, I don't want to put, you know, first of all, you know, electronic signals through my kids candy. There's really bad stuff in there anyway, but I don't, there's never had it. There's no candy poisoning guy and whatever <laughs> weird stuff, needles or stuff like that. I th- I don't know. I just never thought of it as a thing, but I know a lot of people out there get all panicked, like I gotta check my kids' candy. And it's like whatever. I don't know. That's uh, that was just a, a question or a statement I wanted to make about the whole Halloween thing. Yeah, no, um, I, I've never heard anything like that before in my life, so it's kind of interesting, don't you think? Well, the news always says it every year. Oh, local hospital will x-ray your candy for your kids. It's like, why? I mean, the only thing I did with my kids was, is uh, we took, I would I'd take the four-wheeler, and I uh, had a four, uh, Honda Recon 250, and I'd put a, I had a little trailer for it uh, for around the yard and different projects and stuff, and I'd put five-gallon buckets in the back of it, and then as the kids are going down the street and their bag got heavy, they could dump their candy out in their bucket, and then we would just go block after block, and when their buckets were full, we'd head home. I mean, that was, uh, we made it a mission. We enjoyed it. We had fun. And uh, when Bob was saying, you know, it was like a taxation, his dad had to go through his candy. <laughs> and not that we didn't, you know, not that I didn't go through my kids' candy because, you know, they obviously had plenty of it. But I don't remember. I just, I just hated the fact that they would try to put a fear in the middle of something that was actually just kind of a lot of fun for kids to go out and do and, and dress up. And then they always got to put t- this little, little touch of fear in everything, right? Mm-hmm. Fears drives people to do stupid, stupid stuff. So, but well, and that's the world we live in right now. It, it's dominated by fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really is. Uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, um, yeah, the Jenna, the uh, Jenna, Ellis, Jenna, Jenna Ellis pleaded guilty in the Georgia election case in exchange for reduced charges. Mm. Yeah, because they're pounding them with all these. Ex- I was reading. Um, I read the statement that Trump put out as well as uh, what was that? Uh, what was that attorney's name? Why am I forgetting her name all of a sudden? Sidney uh, um, Powell. Sidney Powell. Um, the stuff they were charging her with was pretty outlandish. I mean, it was unbelievable what they were trying to do to this lady and the fact that she pled. But she pled to the fact that she had she had data, and they said the data was a secured data that she shouldn't have had access to. So that's what she pled to. 
And what is Jenna Ellis? What is she pleading to? What she what did she end up going to? Um, pleaded to a misdemeanor. Just got uh, what did she get? She got probation, like five years probation, and like a five hundred dollar fine. Five years probation. Yeah, that's a lot of calendar, man. That's a long time to be turning in your Drug whereabouts test. and being monitored. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ooh. you know, listen. They're turning on. They're not necessarily turning on Trump, and it's not an admission of guilt. Um, it, they are just uh, succumbing to the fear. Now, what's interesting is that Jenna Ellis raised well over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for her legal fund, and mm-hmm. then took a plea deal. Now, yeah. I want everybody to understand that. She goes out there and please support my legal fund. Please support my legal fund. Raises over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then. Takes the easy way out with the plea deal. Mm-hmm. So she gets to keep all that money. Um, let me go back a little bit. Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell raised millions upon millions of dollars from patriotic Americans claiming that we're going to go after these states. We're going to file lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit, and we're going to get this election turned around. Sidney Powell never filed any lawsuits, people. What happened um, to that? Lynn um, Wood. Lynn Wood. I was just getting ready to say, what happened Lynn to Lynn Wood? Lynn Wood took in millions and millions of dollars, just like Sidney Powell, saying we're going to file election lawsuits, election lawsuits. He ended up uh, representing Kyle Ritten, Rittenhauer, the guy who uh, was in the Minneapolis uh, uh, riots and shot those people and killed them, and uh, ended up trying to rip Kyle off. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kyle tells the story. Lynn Wood is a snake. Sidney Powell, don't know her? I believe she's a snake. You know, you know what you should be doing is donating all that money to charity, people. That's what you should be doing. How about this? Donald Trump, obviously he needs it now with all the legal stuff, but he said they're going to file lawsuits, brought in over $350 million to fight those, file those lawsuits. I haven't seen any. Wow. And so you got to wonder, people, what the, who these people really are. You got to remember, they're all lawyers. <laughs> That's the big part. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, and Jenna Ellis—they're lawyers. What is the the highest unemployment in any career in America? Lawyers, uh, liars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, think about that. That's uh, there's a reason that they're all so desperate to get as much cash as they can, as long as they can. Did you see the article there that uh, Elon Musk offered Wikipedia a billion dollars to change their name to to Dickopedia? Oh, goodness. Really? Yeah. M- Musk, recently, he actually posted, it's a tweet here. It says, I will give them a billion dollars if they change it for that for a year. They just want He just wants it changed to a year. I'll give them a billion dollars if they change it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they need the I don't money. Know, I'm just, they well, the money. do you okay? Is Wikipedia to you? Is Wikipedia to you actually a good reference for information? Um, it, you, it, it's decent. You have to be careful with it. Or do you take it as like satire? Um, no, definitely not satire. But you have to be careful with it. Right? Yeah, because I've there's because okay. What's the rules on that? What is the rules on the ability to change the name? Are you able to just or not change the name, but change information? Anybody can do it, or how does that work? Um, anybody can do it. That's what they say, but that's really not. 
that that the case. Mm. Um, not everybody can do it. You go in there, you'll create a profile, you'll get denied to be a contributor. Oh, really? So then there's only a very select few. So this is turning into more fact checker stuff. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. That is unfortunate. Mm. Why can't? Why are we? Why aren't we? Can't we? Why can't we? Why can't we just be left alone? To come to the arbitrary, ridiculous, non-factual conclusions at whatever we want, why can't we do that? I mean, why isn't it a collective? Why couldn't we come to a a point of knowledge that we want to come to, not the point of knowledge that they they as educated uh, journalists come to? And I don't know. Have you ever have you ever met a journalist, one of these newspaper writers that you were just blown away with their intellect? I mean, you've met them, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you ever been just like, whew, I got to learn from that guy? I mean, is there any bit, ever, ever been a case for you on that? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. There's not. But these are the guys who are out there saying that they're the ones that have the ability to fact check for all of us, right? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, they're, they're indoctrinated, college-educated liberals. Um, they have – most of them have no journalistic – credibility whatsoever right. um they are basically utilizing mainstream opinion articles or mainstream articles that were created as propaganda pieces as references for truth um none of it has really any factual basis and you got to remember like when you're talking about like like this claim right here okay, okay. um some of our special operation forces and Israeli special operation forces went into Gaza to reconnoiter a plan to get out the hostages. Uh, when they went into Gaza, they were shot to pieces and took heavy losses. Okay? Right. Now, we don't have any verification or validation of that. The only credibility that we can look at is from the source. That was said on Tucker Carlson's Twitter show uh, by Colonel McGregor, who is highly accurate. And has really good intelligence sources. Right. Now, if you listen to the United States of America, they say, no, no U.S. troops have gone or engaged. Have, huh. have entered the war. Well, actually, they have. We right. know that special operation forces are in there. It was probably those same Delta Force members that Joe Biden shook his hand with and the White House released a photo of their faces. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I love how we've always just... Everything is so new. We're still just making mistakes like that, as if their press releases are a new thing we just started in 2023. Well, but then, you know, you hear today that Hamas has 35,000-person army standing strong in Gaza waiting for Israel. And so hmm. now that makes sense how six a six-group special operation forces can go in there to get the hostages, and they're met by thousands and thousands of of angry radical Muslims. Right. Okay, why are they radical? Why do, why do we call them radicals? Do we, is that because it makes it sound more sensational, or is that because it's actually a fact? Because of their actions. Oh. Because I, they I don't... would say because of their actions and beliefs is what makes somebody radical. And uh, yeah. kind of like you, you, you and me, we, we believe in this thing called freedom, that uh -huh. we have this innate sovereignty that is given to us by God, and right. that no man, country, ruler, or anything has power or control over us. Uh, that's called radical this day and age. Huh, that's nice. <laughs> because we gave all the guns to uh, the bureaucrats, to the liars, to the lawyers. Right. 
Can we? Can, do you think we could get? Do you think we could break that down and get away from that uh, the judicial model that we have, where we're so sue happy? Do we? Can we break that? I mean, do we break it? Or we have an ability to do that, or is it just going to be part of what our existence forever? The whole lawyer. I don't know, Jim. What do you think? Do you think we can break that? Do you think we that we can get real freedom here in the world? Because I, I don't I, think many people want real freedom, Jim. I don't I think people know what real freedom actually is. Yeah. When I, t- I told people back when I ran for office in 2016, I said, um, and I know it sounds so long ago, but it's still part of my daily life. But I said, I don't think we need anything but the Constitution. I don't think we need the laws, rules, regulations, and ordinances that we put on each other. And the Constitution is enough. And you would have thought I had literally sucked the oxygen out of the off the planet. It was unbelievable how scared they were when I said that. But why would? Oh, I bet. Why do we need all the other stuff? Yeah, we'll be right back with the Dark Delight show after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's right. Yeah. Well, I just saw Jenna Ellis's. Uh, um, she actually had to read her uh, her recantment, uh, and she was crying. And I said, "This is what happens when you let grifters and traffic court lawyers play with the big boys." Yep. <sighs> you know, it's just nothing more than a sycophant that follows around power and tries to woo them into allowing her to work with them. And then when things go sour, she's like the first one to turn and say, "I was so wrong. I'm sorry." But My why apologies. was it? What was the ego behind the judge or the DA saying that she had to write a letter, letter of apology? What? Why is there an extra letter level of humiliation or scrutiny on top of it? What? What did that? What purpose does that serve? What did it get? That little extra pound of flesh? Is that what judicial systems are really built for? Is to get no, people no. To write apology this letters? Is, this is the attack on Donald Trump. They're doing this to make basically prove their case against Donald Trump because they have no other proof other than the lawyers turning on him and then the humility of basically what shows to the rest of the world and the country that these lawyers standing up and saying, I was so wrong, I'm so sorry, and all this stuff. Well, again, this is a situation where I can't – I just – I guess it gives them sound bites for the campaign – the campaign rhetoric that we're getting ready to go into that they'll go in and be able to say, Oh, look, you know, even his own people, what did Jen Ellis do? What was she doing anyway? What was her, what was her role in the whole thing? What did she do? What was she actually doing? Well, she was working with Rudy Giuliani, if you remember to, uh, to investigate and bring uh, the lawsuits up against the election case. Right. uh, After the initial election. Uh, from what we heard from Patrick Byrne and other people involved is that Rudy Giuliani was usually drunk around 10 a.m. at the White House uh, right. when he was there. And, Jan, uh, and Jenna Ellis was absolutely a, a clueless blonde who had no idea uh, where to even begin in the sense of jurisprudence uh, or legality. And they were both useless lawyers who just sat in the White House telling the president one thing and doing a complete another yeah, I didn't realize that she was actually a player in all this. But and then what did she? And, and so she pled guilty to what? What did she say she pled guilty to? What was it she said? I, I'm just um, trying to figure out like the importance. I mean, none of this is hitting my radar as like anything. 
I mean, I'm saying like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to me. Anyway, go ahead. Well, no, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, what is she pleading guilty to? She had the RICO charges against her. Oh, okay. So they conspired to <laughs> it's like yeah. RICO charges. I love how RICO now is just anything. Like any RICO is anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you because well, isn't uh, that the warning of the founding fathers though? Yeah, is that if we give Congress or the the lawmakers the ability to make any and all laws, they will make any and all laws and they'll catch all within those laws. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why they were constrained by the Constitution. But unfortunately, they came in, Congress, uh, John Jay, right, came out and said, oh, the Constitution is not absolute. Well, absolutely it was. It was meant to be absolute. It was meant to be that you cannot, you cannot take away someone's free speech. There's no such thing as a free speech zone. Right. Okay. Yep. That that free speech doesn't mean that if I'm in a private business, I I don't have the right to say what I want. Yes, you do. This is the United States of America. The second the Second Amendment states that you shall not take away my right to self defense or to bear arms or to form militia. But they're saying, oh, no, well, what we do, we can, we can go in there and limit the amount of ammunition you can buy. We can limit the type of guns. No, that's not what it says. The Fourth Amendment says that I have the right to be secure within my person and my personal property. But every day, people's rights are violated inside and out within their vehicle, within their home, within their person, within their digital privacy. Right. And so here's the thing is we allowed it to happen. And since we allowed it to happen, those rights have dwindled and the U.S. code, a plethora of laws have arranged around it. You got to remember the the Constitution was written to constrain government, not the people. Mm-hmm. And now the Constitution is utilized to constrain the people, not the government. Yep. Oh, the idiots are running the asylum here. Um, okay, let me uh, real quick. I was reading this article on CIA involvement raises questions about Ukrainian intelligence tactics. But what I'm taking from the article is this great big trident that's on the gate of, I guess, the the main thing there in Kiev. Um, why? What was the significance of this trident that you that Zelensky always wears in the center of his chest and his little green BDU uniform? What was the significance? I know we're completely going off and everything, but what was the? Why is this trident such a thing in Ukraine? What is all about? What's that all about? Didn't you have you're, something? You're about completely that? changing the topic. At the I end know. Of the sorry, show, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that right now. All right. Um, it was, it, I was I was doing a uh, ADD moment there. You um, absolutely were squirrel. Okay, yeah. so yeah, going what back. we have here, people, is we have the stand for freedom. We have the last stand for freedom, for constitutionality. We either have a constitution or we don't. We either have a republic or we don't. And how many politicians do you, out, do you see out there yelling and screaming about, we have to protect our democracy. We have to help spread democracy. Well, we, we're going to lose our democracy. We don't have a democracy. People should stop talking about democracy. There was a meeting that where the founding fathers all went into and they all discussed for hours and hours of deliberation of whether they have a democracy, a, a federalist state, or a republic. And they came out and Ben Franklin was asked, Mr. Franklin, so what type of government do we have? And he looked at him and said, a republic, if you can keep it. Yep. And that is long since gone. You know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln was one of the first ones that started utilizing the word democracy. 
and notice that's right around the same time that the Civil War was occurring, the creation and formation of the Republican Party. Because what they wanted is they wanted the ability to sway the vote. They wanted the ability to vote in who they wanted to vote in and let the powers be strayed through the majority. See, we're not a democracy because democracy is Latin. It means, or sorry, Greek. It means mob rule. 51% control the other 49%. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. Mm-hmm. There is a difference. And any politician that sits up there and says, we have a democracy, you say, no, we have a republic. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not the same thing. Because in a republic, one person can stand up and change a law passed by Congress and all of its representatives. And that happens through the court systems, through legal precedents, going in there with a jury of your peers if the Congress passes a law and you get arrested for it, you go to court, you take it to trial, and your jury of your peers comes out and says, uh, that's unconstitutional, that can't happen, mm-hmm. and you're innocent, that legal precedent will fall through for the rest of history to where all the courts will have to uphold those decisions. Right. Well, This goes- is the country that we live in. This is a republic, people. Right. right. You know, that's where jury nullification becomes a thing as well. Jury nullification is that if you are a jury and you do not believe that the crime that they have been uh, charged with, you can actually do jury nullification, which then tasks the legislation to go back and revamp the law because a jury of the peers actually believes that that law is is null and void, that they need it to be redone, that needs to be rejudicated. So um adjudicate that's not the right word um looked at again it has to go back through the process and that should be you know amended the jury nullification is another way of the people maintaining control of the legislators as well as the judges but the most judges will silence anybody anybody who stands up and starts to mention jury nullification during opening arguments during testimony or closing arguments they will they will escort the people out and tell them to strike it from the record that jury nullification isn't a thing but it is actually part of our judicial process. That's right. So we, we need to be we gotta be better stewards of our freedom. We do. Absolutely, man. I agree with you one hundred percent, guys. That's all we have for the Dark Delight Show today. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys all take care. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.